Hey everybody, welcome to the Higher Points Podcast. I'm here with Nate and Ted Carter and Ted Carter's fiance who's sitting in the room with us just listening in and we uh, just wanted to kind of give an opportunity to talk to another man of mystery, Ted Carter, that uh, from my understanding has done pretty much a little bit of kind of everything from the sounds <laughs> of it and then you're starting in on kind of a new venture in your in your life in your uh, that we'll eventually get to and stuff, so uh, just take it away of just kind of give us a little bit about you and where you came from and what brought you here. And Okay. Um, I was actually born in Sterling, Kansas in the Sterling College Art Department now. I've grown up in, in Sterling, went to high school in Sterling. I played three sports in, in high school, football, basketball, and track. Then I went to Fort Hayes State University and Graduated with a degree in exercise science. And I swore when I went to Fort Hayes, I would never come back. And then here I am. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, did work a few different jobs going to Fort Hayes. One was at the Homer B. Reed Center. It's like a center for developmentally handi- handicapped. Basically, it's where they go and they try to learn a trade or a skill. So that was... That was pretty interesting. How long did you do that for? It was about a year. And then what did you leave that for? What did you end up going um, to do? I ended up going to work at a detention center in Wakini and worked there for, I think, two years. See, I didn't even know that. See, I told you yeah. you've done a little bit of everything. <laughs> like, you've legit done a little bit of everything. Skylar said you have some good stories about when you worked in Wakini. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, there's a couple of probably good stories that I have about working at the Reed Center. Um, well, <laughs> I was, I was going to say at this point, you're not making it out of it. You're not making it out of it. You might okay. as well just start so, in. So, <laughs> um, and these are, these are basically grown men that had just had a, they were mentally handicapped higher functioning. So basically my boss sent us out with a group that we could take to Walmart um, and just basically teach them the skills of shopping. And she told me that the one gentleman I was with, not to let him in any of the women's clothing, anything like that or else. Was she worried that you were going to try it on with him or what? Well, that's what I thought. <laughs> but <laughs> turns out that that really excites him, and he'll drop his pants right there and start masturbating. Like, okay, I just imagine Ted um, going, I got to see this. Hey, guys, let's go over to the women's clothing. I just imagine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was like, you know, surely not. Okay, and you have to picture this. This is probably a couple of weeks before Christmas. So Walmart is just packed full of people. <laughs> oh, no. So we go in there. The girl that was with her group, they split off and went their way, and we went our way. So we ended up going to the sporting goods. Um, automotive section was right in that area, and I'm thinking, that surely there's nothing over there. You know, I think we're good. <laughs> and I didn't have to be with him constantly. She wanted him to be kind of on his own, but I would check on him like every five minutes or so. So I'm with two other guys, and we're looking, I don't even know it, something automotive. 
And I said, okay, I'm going to go check on the other guy. Walked into the aisle that he was supposed to be in. Wasn't there. Went down the next aisle. Out of the corner of my eyes, I see him with his pants down around his knees going to town. (laughs) And I just looked at him and I yelled at him to pull his pants up. And so, are we allowed to cuss on this? For sure. Yeah. Okay. So, he just immediately just starts screaming, fuck you, fuck you, all the way out Walmart. And I mean, it's like a parade going out of Walmart. Did he pull his pants up or were they still around? Yeah, he did. He did pull his his pants up. But the the whole way out of Walmart, he's just screaming, fuck you, Ted, fuck you. And all this, and I mean, it's like the music stopped, <laughs> and everybody is just looking. And I'm walking there, the two guys behind me, they're laughing, and and he's just screaming at the top of his lungs. And uh, the girl and her group are with me; they could hear me several rows away. They came over. I said, "We need to leave." So we're walking out, and there was a girl that lived just down the. Oh, a couple apartments down from me, and she was a checker at Walmart. And I just happened to look over and saw her, and she just had her head down on, like, the conveyor belt little deal, <laughs> just laughing. <laughs> and it was just, oh, it was crazy. It was a circus. Reminds me of that scene from Game of Thrones where it's like, ding, 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 shame. Ding, 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 shame. Ding, 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 shame. Yeah, like, you walking out of Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was like. Oh my god. So you so you got the degree in exercise science and then you went and worked at the you said the Reed Center, is that what it was called? That was the Reed Center that I worked okay. at. And then, and then and then you said the detention center. Yeah. Is that the same same thing or No. Okay. No, this is totally separate. Okay. Um so this was in Joaquini, Kansas, which is like thirty miles from Hayes. Thirty yeah, thirty miles west of Hayes. Um, and they had an emergency shelter, a group home, and then a detention center, all kind of in the same compound. When I first started working there, I floated in between all of them. Um, and then I ended up working more detention. And uh, it was eye-opening. Was it an adult or juvenile? No, this was a juvenile. Okay. But they could be up to 21 at that time. Um, and ours was like a holding facility, so they could only be there 90 days. Most of the time, it was either they were getting out of like YCAT and Topeka or something like that. And so they were transitioning back to where they were going to go. Or they had just been arrested and they were waiting trial to go to like either prison or something like YCAT. Any interesting Topeka. stories from there? Oh, yeah. So, well, they're, yeah. <laughs> Um, one of the craziest ones, there was a kid that was probably, if I remember right, he was probably 16, 17. And he had got stopped on, um, on I-70. And I, I think between, I want to say Goodland in the Joaquini Hayes area. So BFE. Yeah. Yeah. But Gee. there's like the biggest drug bus in Kansas history have happened right in that area. Right. Yeah. So this kid is coming from Los Angeles, and we find out later he was, like, trying to go to Philadelphia. He was drunk, swerving all over the road. They stopped him, find just 
brick after brick after brick of cocaine <laughs> in his in the trunk. Good, good, good job. And, and you drew kid, attention to yourself yeah, by being drunk. Yeah, this kid is drunk. <laughs> <laughs> you had all this coke and you chose yeah. to drink. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, he ended up in our detention center. Long story short, he goes to court that I think that next day or day after, and he had called back to the gang that he was working for in Los Angeles. And I think there it was the Latin Kings. But anyway, in court in Joaquini, they showed up. There were two members of the Latin Kings that showed up in Joaquini to this guy's little trial or whatever it was. Well, anyway, there were FBI agents there as well. And they could tell what these guys were talking about. And they were talking about breaking in and and killing this kid. So we had the FBI surrounded the detention center, the whole compound. The KBI was there, several highway patrolmen. So it was it was kind of nerve-wracking for a couple of weeks. And they had taken this kid immediately from the courthouse, and I think he went somewhere to Kansas City. But there for about two weeks, you know, driving home to my apartment at night, it was just like you just... You had to look over your shoulder the whole time because they had actually gone to the wrong detention center, um, I think, in Dodge City and tried to break in. And I think a, a guy ended up getting killed there. So it was it was a for real deal. What what time frame would this have been like? What? Oh, this would have been <clears throat> somewhere between 93 and 95. Because you're talking about a lot of those detention facilities and stuff that don't exist anymore. Yeah. That they've cut all of that, which is one of the things that's frustrating, you know, especially when we're dealing with kids in in my line of work and they're in crisis and then trying to get them placed somewhere is absolutely impossible. Like we had one kid that we sat with for like 28 hours one time just trying to get him a bed. So that's why I was asking like what time frame it was. Yeah. Well, at that time, we were the farthest place west. There wasn't anything in Dodge City. Well, Dodge City had just opened. Um, there wasn't anything in Garden City um, at the time. So they wanted to get a lot of the gang kids out of Kansas City, Wichita, Topeka, Lawrence, all that area. So they ended up in Waukini. Well, Dodge City was already overcrowded. So we got a lot of Dodge and Garden. So you had a mixture of black... Asian, Hispanic, <laughs> all in the same place, and it did not mix. I mean, we, I mean, we broke up fights daily. I mean, it was, it was insane, you know. And they had they had to go to class. They had school, so basically, it'd be one guy in the front, and usually me in the back. There's just two of us in a classroom. So one day they were taking a test. The kid was walking up to turn in their pencils because they always have to turn in their pencils at the end. Walked by this kid and almost shoved the pencil completely through his neck. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I'd say he was mad at that kid or yeah. something. Mm-hmm. Do you ever figure out why? Like why? Gang. I got you. Just uh-huh. proving something. Yeah. I've always found that. When, when they're like that and they're younger and they feel like they've got something to prove, they're usually more dangerous than, oh, for than sure. the guys that have kind of been through that process a little bit more. 
Yeah, and you could totally <laughs> tell, like, the, the ones that were the real badasses never caused any problems. Bad for business. Never got out of line. It was the the younger ones that were trying to make a name for themselves that were just out of control. But, yeah, it was... So what, what did you do after Joaquini? Um, well, it's kind of funny because the guy that always used to come in, Bible in hand, telling everybody that they were a sinner and all this and that, his home got raided and they found cocaine and like child porn and all that. So they immediately shut down our facilities and told us we had to be off the property by five that that evening the KBI came in and like seized everything and was it so a, they was were it a private s- facility it was like state funded but but privately owned kind of so kind of like kind of like St. Francis would be like there yeah. yeah okay that makes sense so they you know kids were going they were shipping them off everywhere they could that would have been uh, probably a terrible experience yeah trying to find places for all of them to go yeah. how many how many beds were in that facility Oh, I want to say, I think maximum capacity, I wanted to say there's probably like 50 maybe. Just in the detention or yeah. all? No, all? just in the detention. Okay. I don't know about the group home and emergency shelter, but probably about the same at each. So you basically were kind of forced into a career change. Yeah. So yeah. What, what did, where did you land? Uh, my dad... <laughs> I was talking to him about it, and he said, well, why don't you come home and just, you know, be a partner with me? He had a pest control business, so I did. I did pest control for, I don't know, seven, ten years, somewhere in there. Yeah. But uh, And that was, I liked the pest control, but it was just, I don't know, it's kind of boring, honestly. Yeah, not very stimulating. <laughs> No. <laughs> well, so did you go from the pest control to like your lawn care stuff, or where'd the gym? Um, the gym actually, in? when I was doing pest control, I decided I really wanted to open a gym. So I opened a gym in Sterling. Um, where was it, by the way? Um, where Sterling Services is. Um, the call center. It's the. Or? Uh, e- yeah, I think it is. Okay. Um. It's the older building, not the new one. Yeah. It's the older one. Is that the call center? Well, there's like the Shea building, and then there's the call yeah, center, and the, then there's like the older one, and then there's the new one. It's the older one that's right next to the new one. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. and it, Plenty of space that's where, Yeah. And in front, that's where we had our cardio equipment, and they did aerobics and stuff like that. And the gym was actually in the back. Um, you know, the windows that you can look out in the back. I will see them loading stuff right that's actually where the weight room was at my wife and i at the time we had opened that gym we were there for about a year and part of the wall started crumbling so we we had a friend of mine that was a structural engineer and he came in and said i don't i don't think this is this wall is gonna stand up very long did you guys own the building or were you just no we were renting it so uh, we were renting the building. We decided we wanted to stay in Sterling. We couldn't find another building in Sterling. Um, so we ended up moving to Hutch. And we were in Hutch there for, I don't know, five, six years. 
And then what uh, – were so did you always have like entrepreneurial ventures like in your mind? Is that what you uh, always kind of had a thought process for or? You know, <clears throat> not really. I just wanted to do something I was passionate about and that's where it always kind of took me. Um, I didn't really set out to be a businessman or anything like that, but it seemed like that's always what I ended up doing was something on my own. So did you, so just to kind of wrap up work history, I guess, the word did, so after the gym, because I mean, we'll circle back a little bit to that, but <laughs> after the gym, is that, what's after that? Um, okay, after the gym, um, we were thinking about, well, we were getting a divorce, so we were kind of trying to split everything, and that's when the Sterling Wellness Center had just been built. Um Dr. Davidson like bought all of my equipment and then donated it to the wellness center. Well, in the meantime, um, him and some other people on the rec board told me, Hey, there's a, we need a director for the wellness center. Um, would you be interested in applying for that? So I did, I got the job. So I, I worked at the wellness center for, I think four years. See, again, didn't even know that either. Yeah, so it was kind of cool because, you know, all my old equipment went there, and then I ended up there. Um, And then I worked into being the strength and conditioning coach for Sterling High School for, I think, three years. Um, I loved doing that. It was a lot of fun. So what made you give up the director job at the Wellness Center? Um, That's when I started the lawn care business on the side and I didn't think it would get that busy and then it just blew up and the money was so much better than I was making I was just like I can't no brainer yeah I remember the few times that I called you to come over and you'd be like uh like maybe (laughs) I can come up there I'm usually up there like Tuesday so maybe that time you always did seem to be running pretty yeah hard yeah and then like you really relished the winter time yeah, definitely, <laughs> for sure. And so, yeah, there was a lot of days that went from, you know, like 8.30 to 9 o'clock at night. And that's that's when it's hard when people would call me and say, hey, can you do this? I'm like, yeah, if I can. <laughs> I say, just knowing your personality, <laughs> it would be. Crazy in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> knowing your personality, I think it would be, like, great on you to say no. Like, you just wanted to, like, help out and do what you can. Yeah. And so I think that you're probably, like. Inside, you're going, no, no, but the words coming out of your mouth were yes. Yeah. <laughs> so then you, so you sold the lawn care business and now you're here, you're here now. So are you just kind of in limbo right now or I'm what? I'm here. You, yeah. I know you've got some irons in the fire from what you told me. You know, about. yeah, I've, um, I really want to get into being an, addi- an addictions counselor. Um, and I'm just trying to figure out how that fits. You know, I don't really want to go to, back to school for four years and then start my career when I'm 57. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's, <laughs> I think that's kind of a, and a good segue into, you know, like why you want to be an addictions counselor and kind of how that fits into your, your story. Well, um, I just had so many friends, um, that have been addicted to meth or alcohol steroids even um a really good friend of mine was 
had gotten to addicted addicted to steroids and then it led him into meth and then he finally overdosed on meth um and that was just that was heartbreaking um you know where where he overdosed on meth was at, i guess at a party um they took him to the hospital and and left him in the parking lot i think i know who you're talking about and the nurses found him out in the parking lot when they were changing shifts and he was he is, he was dead i mean you talking about chance by chance yeah yeah chance okay. chairman mhm yeah my uh do you, do you remember stasha morgan when yeah. he was with her mm-hmm. that's my cousin oh i so, didn't know that yeah yeah, yeah i know um, stasha yeah she uh she's still kind of playing that game as a matter of fact she is uh currently out on bond for selling large amounts of heroin to an undercover cop so Oh, wow. It's going to it's gonna be an interesting process for her because she's, she's always been beautiful. So I think that kind of helped to where she didn't go to prison on the times that mm-hmm. she should have. Because there were, I mean, there were times that, I mean, I remember even as a kid that her going to court at least six, eight, maybe ten times or more for felony-related offenses yeah. and has never spent a day in prison. So <laughs> I don't know if that's going to be the case this time. Oh, man. But, yeah, I remember, I remember Chance... And Tom especially because I lived in Lyons and they had the the gas station there and and every time I would ride by there every time I would always stop in and say hi and you know I always looked at Chance and like that dude was always just jacked yeah and I'm like you are wow like you you're <laughs> like Arnold Schwarzenegger in Lyons Kansas like you're always yeah. he always looked so strong and he was always so nice yeah um and then Tom was always so nice and put up with all of us kids that would just stop in and basically bother them while they're trying to get work done and just chat with us for a while. And it's kind of sad to see how, you know, the way everything went down and now it's a yeah. empty parking lot with an ATM in it. Oh, so, I know. Yeah. You know, that is crazy. But, was it uh, right there next to like where Casey's is now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's where it was. But, uh, it, I remember hearing that story about him. Cause when I heard it, I was just like, what? And like, Whoa. I mean, I knew that he, had been dealing in drugs and stuff because I worked at the Rice County Detention Center when they were doing like search warrants and stuff at his house and Stasha was living there and, you know, Claiborne yeah, and all them that. were yeah. a lot younger. I yeah. mean, they were really, really, really young at that point. And so they, uh, and I didn't even realize until, I don't know, maybe a year ago that Jaden, which is Stasha's youngest boy, was Chance's son and i didn't know i didn't know that until just recently so learn something new every day (laughs) but um it's kind of interesting how that comes around and i think it's also interesting like when we went to the the uh golf tournament that you know i uh, obliterated the ground at that um (laughs) then if you ever need a back if you ever need a backhoe just call me and give me a golf or give me a golf club (laughs) but um uh, i was trying to just like so we were playing best balls i tried to kill it each time and I killed the ground really well. But anyway, <laughs> I always thought it was – Well, that and I was tired too because I'd worked all night. Know, and, then we, yeah. and then I just like rode with you guys to it and then played golf all day. <laughs> was it a tournament or was it – Yeah, it yeah, was the, it was it was the, the Sterling College tournament. Yeah. Oh, okay. And so like they're, they're at the end where they're giving out like the gifts and the cups and everything. And I'm like <laughs> – Like on the table and they're like, hey, we're getting ready to go. And I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I'm so ready to go. 
But um, I thought it was interesting. Like there wasn't anybody there that you didn't know. Like people were just coming up to you. I, I seriously think you should just like run for president or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I think you'd probably win. Well, the problem with that is I, I inhaled at one time in my life. I, so uh, that would probably I think in today's world me. that's okay. <laughs> I mean, yes, Kamala got away from, with it. So why not? Slide it up. Well, but then you also – so through all of this, so through – <clears throat> your school and you know your wellness degree and then working at a detention center and then a gym <laughs> and and all of that other kind of stuff you also decided to venture a little bit into politics which has been an interesting uh thing to watch <laughs> so how how has that been well and that's kind of funny because and that's how i met um nate not through the politics but being a hemp farmer for two years um I met Nate, and I mean it, that was that was crazy. <laughs> I mean, I my hats off to you, Nate, and your family, because <laughs> man, it it was the wild yeah. west for the first couple of years. Yeah. It still is. I mean, it's still pretty. The industry's in shambles still. Our stuff from the first year is still sitting in a warehouse. You know, I talked to uh, the guy that has it over there, and he he said, "Well, that was about." A week ago now and he's like oh yeah i'm gonna buy your stuff i'll let you i'll send you a check before first of april i was like I believe it when i see it yeah <laughs> so yeah. i mean it's one of those deals that i don't know oh man we worked our asses off and i mean we had to this date we haven't made a dime um what but, happened oh i mean just i mean everything under the sun i mean either you had insects mold um, the first year was just a complete clusterfuck because we didn't know anything about it. We thought we knew a few things about it and we didn't, we knew nothing. And, and there the, was, there was a lot of quote on air quote <laughs> experts yeah. in the market that came into Kansas and a lot of us Kansas people bought into those experts, you yeah. know, and they didn't work out for any of us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> They well, weren't experts. And our expert told us. Oh, yeah, we can plant that into July. That'll be great. You know, and our plants maybe got, what, three feet tall, the best ones, you know. And they're supposed to be more like five to six or, or and you more. Guys, you guys went all out and did 30 acres. Yeah, which was insane. <laughs> Put up a pivot and everything. <laughs> I'll say hindsight, hindsight being 2020. Oh, it was awful. It was actually 40, oh. 40 acres of nonsense <laughs> but uh and you know how he cut it mm -hmm. was with a weed eater with a metal head yeah, i know that but you can, you can explain it. acres <laughs> with a weed eater did you uh <laughs> I mean, please tell me you had more than one there was four of us okay. counting me it's okay it's only 10 acres a person yeah that's i do two acres and i'm wore out <laughs> when we cut it down. how long that's did that take you it. It's like four days. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Four days. How? How? What time would you end or start? Uh, was, they, I mean, it was like ten hour days. So just imagine if you guys would have planted early and had plants that were eight foot tall, <laughs> you'd still be harvesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was uh, our deal too, because we planted ten acres and it took us a while to harvest it. You know, <laughs> and like they were small, smaller plants, and they would have been. Like the plants were growing now, it would have taken us three weeks to harvest all those plants, you know? 
it was kind of a blessing in disguise, but <laughs> did you did you cut them down the same way he did? Yeah. Uh, what did we do the first year? <clears throat> yeah, I think we had a weed eater with a metal blade on. Actually, no, the first year we used hedge clippers. Oh, we my just God. clipped all of them. <laughs> they weren't very big plants, but then we ended up getting the weed eater after that. Did you did you do the whole like plant late thing or whatever like he was talking about? Or we planted a little bit before them, probably a couple weeks. Yeah. So not a whole lot. It wasn't. I think we started planting. It was around the 20th of July. Well, the last thing I remember you saying about your your process there was you were looking for a place to hang it and dry it. That was the last I'd heard was you really talk first, about it. first year? Well, it was when I told you, because you were calling me, like, asking for ideas. Oh, and then, buildings And then looking for buildings like to rent, and I yeah. told you about Sterling Farm Supply. Yeah. But obviously, I don't think that ever panned out from the sounds or sounds of it, so. No, um... We ended up drying it um, in Newton, and <laughs> nothing really became of that. Well, what happened uh, after it dried? Where'd it go, or where's it at? Or, um, honestly, I don't really know what happened to that. Um, our second field was actually decent, um, and it's still in our processor in oil. The market's so down that it's not worth even selling it, really. So maybe maybe the market will come back and we can sell it. I think it will. I still think <laughs> I it will, so. honestly. I think uh, when medical legalizes, or actually when the FDA finally puts out a statement on it and says, hey, this is okay, you know, and then other like Coca-Cola and big companies like that started getting into it, then all these other products are going to. They'll buy all the excess off the market, and I think it'll go back up. But And just remember, you were on this podcast first when you're a millionaire, okay? <laughs> yeah. All right, just remember, don't don't forget us, all right? <laughs> get your, it's not a very good return on investment when it takes 10 years for you yeah. to get your money. I don't care. I just want, I just want the money. That's, like, That's yeah. my goal is to be a millionaire by the time I'm 90. <laughs> <laughs> good goals. I'm going to drive Janine around in a gold golf cart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's just shoot exact. an AK off out the side. <laughs> I'm sure that's what she envisioned her life was just, just what her life was going to be like. You know, when she was thinking about her knight in shining armor, that was you, gold golf cart, gold AK-47. <laughs> yeah. What, what 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 movie is that? Lord of War. Yeah, Lord of War. You're gonna get the you're gonna get the um the Rambo gun. Get the Rambo gun all gold. Yep. And wear a captain's hat with it. <laughs> So, um, okay. So leading back to politics, when I was at, just starting out as a hemp farmer, I got talked into running for the school board. That was a great idea. <laughs> but uh, from what I've seen, from, from what I've seen from you, I have to give credit where credit's due. It was a good idea. Well, thank you. Um, anyway, I, yeah. That's a great idea. <laughs> well, do you feel so, like you've made some enemies or something? Is that? Oh well, I mean, I well, I don't know because they're all <laughs> anonymous. So, but anyway, that's all the questions I was getting right when I was first running. They're like, "Well, how can you be on the school board? You're you're a marijuana farmer, <laughs> you know? Did you get any of that about? Well, you guys 
are you growing marijuana? Yeah, still. You know, still all, do. yeah, all that. And I had to explain him the difference between hemp and marijuana. Yeah, right. And I mean, that was even at one of our forums, people started asking questions. They're like, well, aren't you growing marijuana just west of town? I'm like, no, I wish I was, but no. <laughs> <laughs> it would make me so much more money. <laughs> I wouldn't be sitting here if I was. It'd help all you guys <laughs> chill out a little bit if I was. <laughs> <laughs> the devil's lettuce. Well, but you still got elected. I mean, what what were you? Yep. What were you like? I guess so. That was that was even that was pre COVID. That was before that yeah. started all coming to fruition, right? So yeah. don't worry, we'll get into that. Don't worry. And, yeah, and, and so, I can't think of what our issues even were at that time. <laughs> Before COVID. Yeah. Um, God, what was it? I don't even remember. And then COVID hit and it was just. Well, I think at that time the election was, it was just kind of like an open seat and there wasn't any contention or anything like as far as issues that at least I remember that were like on the forefront that were big policy problems or something. It was just an open seat and. Basically everybody hated our superintendent. You want to be honest about yeah. it. <laughs> and there were four seats open, and there were 14 of us that ran. Um, See, I told you you should run for president. Yeah. So you you won that. President's just the next logical <laughs> step in that. Yeah. It could be. <laughs> could be. So uh, let's let's talk about that. So how did how did COVID change that game for you? Because I know that's been oh man a mess. Um, you know, mess. right when COVID hit. I don't think anybody knew what in the world was going on. Um, I just remember being at the state tournament. Um, our boys had just won their first round game. Um, and then right after that, they came over the PA system and announced that the, the tournament was basically canceled. And everybody is looking around at each other like, what the hell? And then I remember my mom and I sitting in Chili's and Salina. And uh, we were watching the TV, and all of a sudden they started they they canceled the NBA. I think um, the LPGA canceled. MLB was starting about talking about they're going to move their season to later in the summer. I mean, is this all kinds of crazy stuff? They canceled the March Madness. So I mean, it's just. It was really weird because I remember just looking around Chili's and everybody's just staring at the TV with a blank look on their face like, what is well, going on? Well, nobody had ever seen anything like no, that, that's uh-uh. for sure, ever. And my mom's 82, and I just I said, Mom, have you ever seen anything like this in your life? She goes, no, never. So, I mean, it was just, I don't know. I have that feeling like this is crazy, but I almost halfway don't believe it. You know, well, I didn't most like the time. Anytime the government moves its mouth, I don't believe. Yeah. It. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't like freaking out though. Like a lot of people were just totally freaking out. Yeah. You didn't uh, go buy all the toilet paper right to start. No, <laughs> no. I, I had a buddy that legitimately sent me a picture of like the full like face mask N95, like the really, really nice ones you'd see in the movies, like with the triangular, um, like the filters. Filters and oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then he called me one day and 
because this was after the vaccination, the initial vaccination, where he was freaking out about breathing the same air in the building as the people that were like next to him and stuff. And I was just like, hey, like you're going to be okay. <laughs> you know, like you're vaccinated. <laughs> so far, you have a better chance of living than you do of dying. And, you know, just trying to talk him through it. But I, I never really had that feeling. I just, I guess I just have the peace of like, if it's my time to die, I'll die. Yeah. Um, I mean, not to say that I'm going to go around like licking a bunch of door handles, but. <laughs> The toilet I mean, seats. Yeah. Well, I, the toilet seats, yes. The door handles, no. <laughs> but so how did it change for you? I mean, I, I know that it was uh, – I mean, just the one the one meeting that I went to was a little bit of a – you could definitely cut the tension in the air and a little bit of a – Was that the was that the first year? That was when you had them read the message oh. on the box. That was the one I went to <laughs> because I, I had a speech that I'd written that I was going to – you know speak that day but didn't get the opportunity i thought there was gonna be like an open mic type thing oh okay and there wasn't well that was that was this last summer yeah um but i mean it sounds like it you know you were stuck in the middle could make anybody happy and you're either you're either don't care about kids and they're all gonna die or you were somebody that uh no matter where you sat on the issue you know because there were people feel differently on the board you either wanted to kill all the kids or you wanted to, you know, you were a, a socialist that wanted to take away everyone's rights. There was really no middle ground. Yeah. I had <clears> gotten <throat> some emails even, um, because I was anti-mass saying that, you know, I was basically a dumb son bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how you opened that meeting that I went to. He goes, I thought it was, did you see that by chance? Did you watch it? So, so he it. takes, he brings a box with, I see him walk in with this box of masks and I'm just like, like my brain is like, what are you doing? Cause he's not wearing a mask. Very few people in that room. And I'm just like, is he just going to hand them out? Like if people want one or if he goes to talk to people, he's going to give them one. Like I'm confused. And so he basically starts it out and he says, uh, he's like, I'm, I'm not as, I'm just a, uh, a, a hard laborer yeah. essentially. And, and I don't know nothing and I'm not educated and I'm not smart. So do me a favor, Mr. Garaki. And he slides the box over to Garaki and has him read the warning label on this box of masks, which says right on it that these masks will not prevent COVID, blah, 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 blah. And that was kind of what, that meeting was about is like, are we going to mask yeah. again? Like, are we going to require this again? Kind of thing. That was before this last school year started, right? Right. Yeah. That's yeah. And when he did that, that room erupted, like with applause and and everything. And it was just interesting to me because I was like, see that right there, like that's what we need as far as like people coming together and rallying around this and just being like, no. Like if if you were in another district and that district wants to do it, then you do it. But if we choose to not to do it, we're not going to do it. Yeah. And I, that was the most poignant. I I remember that. I don't remember anything else about the meeting, but I do remember that because that was just it was just kind of like you were like, it says right here. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> the on manufacturer the mask. of the mask. Yeah, says this, and, and you know, and then they all started saying that the maskers started saying, well, they do that because they don't want to be sued. But I'm like. On the box itself, it says this does not provide any level of protection. Yeah. I mean, a box of condoms gives a 99.9%. I mean, you're telling me people aren't going to sue them if they start having kids and... Probably tried, honestly. Well, yeah. But well, it's I mean... Just, it's just some lawyer told them, hey, you should put that on there. 
Well, no, I don't think that's it. I think the people that make the mask, they don't want to be sued, so they're telling you the truth. They're not lying to you. They're saying, okay, we know exactly the capability of these masks, and they're not going to they're not going to prevent you from getting COVID. So we're telling you you're, this doesn't give you any level of protection. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. otherwise they could put on there, this is 80% effective. How are you going to prove it's not? Well, I thought the interesting you know? thing about that meeting was I think it ended as well as it could in the sense of I liked that you voted against the that course of action. But to me, I, I think the, the way the government works is, is you get people that are on both sides and eventually we kind of find a middle ground that kind of works. I think that's what government was intended yeah. for in the beginning where it was like, okay, so we won't require it, but we're also not going to say no. So if it reaches this threshold, then we will once it comes under that threat. So you kind of, I feel, I feel made the best decision to kind of meet in the middle with the information that you had of, of sometimes we will sometimes we won't it just if it meets this then we will and and that way it's not up for interpretation or anybody's like injection of what they feel on the matter and stuff like that so i thought that was a pretty cool meeting even though you know there were a lot of people that stood up and said a lot of things i wish i'd have known i could have just stood up and started blurting out because then i'd have just done that <laughs> but i was trying to do the right thing yeah. and wait until what i thought was going to be like an open forum right. and then it was yeah. like and it was funny because when you guys went to adjourn, it was like motion to adjourn, motion carry, boom, boom. All right, we're out. See ya. And I was just like, okay, well, I guess it's time to go. <laughs> you guys could not get out of there quick enough. But it's, uh, I mean, you, you definitely have made uh, some not so friendly people through that process. What was the outcome of that, like for mass and stuff for the school year for you guys? Um, we made it mask optional at that time. Yeah, which is. It's kind of funny how when you get a bunch of people to come, um, how the votes change. Mm -hmm. Because when you're in the school library and there's two people in the audience, the votes are drastically different. Yeah. But when there's a large amount of people seeing you vote, it's amazing that people will flip their votes because they don't want to piss people off. Well, I think that's the way it should be, really. I mean, they should vote that way all the time. Yeah. You know, and... And I think that we forget a lot of times that it's not our personal opinion. That plays into it, sure, but, you know, we were elected by the people, so we need to listen to what they're telling us. And I maybe had, out of 100 emails, maybe five, four mass. The rest were against. So, yeah, I mean, I need to be the voice of who's emailing me saying they don't want it. I would agree. Well, I think the interesting key to this whole thing is, is like everybody seems to think that I have to be like some asshole about it. When all, like, for instance, I, my wife tested positive a couple of weeks ago. And so I called my boss, Hey, just to let you know this happened. How do you want me to proceed? What what do you want from me? (laughs) Use your coat, use your coat. You'll be all right. And, uh, put the microphone in front of your face. That'll work. Um, but, but, uh, (laughs) this is times I wish we had video. I wish we were streaming with things like that. You have the big black phallic shaped object in front of your face, but, um, we'll get there someday. (laughs) Whoa. 
<laughs> Talking about the video. Oh, okay. <laughs> not the big black fake yeah. phallic shaped object. Okay, got you. I'm with you. Well, I wondered what the ropes and chains were for. <laughs> yeah, yeah that that's what? for when we do get video. Oh, it's a little live action role play type stuff. Okay, yeah, we got way off subject there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember what I was saying. Oh, so my boss is like, uh, well, okay, you can still come to work, but you need to wear a mask. And I was like, mm. I was like, okay, so I'm either too sick to come to work and I need to stay home or I can come to work. Which one's it going to be? So I was like, is that an order? Long pause in the text stream. And it was highly recommended, quote unquote, and I just came to work. So, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at. Of like, I think it's we're afraid to be sick. So it's like, if you're sick, stay home. Or if you're worried about yeah. getting sick, stay home. Uh, if you want a mask, mask, if you want to wear the N95 and go to McDonald's and order your food, go for it. Like it does you do you boo boo. It doesn't yeah. really, if you want to walk your dog down the street and wear a mask or you want to ride to you or you want to ride in a car by yourself and wear a yeah. mask. That, I don't understand that. that I, I've never Is there any logic to that? Not one that I would I understand. Mean, I mean, to them, obviously, but, and if you're one of those people, I am not sorry. I said that if you're listening, um, <laughs> And, uh, but, uh, oh, just lost one follower. <laughs> you know, the uh, funny thing about that is the first year that COVID hit, um, was what March when it really hit, hit yeah, here. Right. Um, so then I started mowing and there was probably f- three, four people that did not want me to mow because they thought I would stir the COVID up out of the grass. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't even know what to say to that. Yeah, the first okay, the first person that told me that, I just started laughing. They were, they were being they completely were serious. serious. <laughs> I was just like, oh wow, okay. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So not you, sorry that I hurt you your feelings. Lose a couple, uh, couple customers. No, I, I never them. lost them, but I didn't mow until like June when their grass was three feet tall. Uh, was like, like I'm going to charge you triple. I'm going to charge you for all the weeks that I missed. Yeah. You should have told them. All right, cool. But I'm still charging you. Yeah, that's what you should have told them. Yeah, I should have. But that way you could pay your COVID bill later <laughs> when you got it. Oh boy, um, that's a story. <laughs> Well, the thing that's, I think, maddening to me is you can go to the airport and then you have to stand in line in social distance with a mask on and in line. But then you sit next to each other in this crowded plane for hours with your mask on. I'm like, where's the logic in this again? Like, why are we But you can this? pull it down to take a drink or eat your snacks. Yeah. Or, you yeah, know, or once you sit down at the restaurant. Graham yeah. crackers I mean, with your mask down. <laughs> that's when That's when I knew this whole thing was bullshit, when you can go in a restaurant you got to wear the mask to the table, but when you sit down at the table, you can take it off. Yeah, and you're sitting you get right up and next go to the bathroom. You got to put it back on. And then most of the people, when they're done with their meal, didn't have it on, just walked out and left. I'm just like that doesn't even make any sense. I think that's where we're at right now, and it is, is there just needs to be just that little bit of cognitive dissonance of like what I did. Like I didn't have to. I wasn't rude about it. I didn't throw the gauntlet down. If you make me wear a mask, I'm going to quit. Of just like no, thank you. Because I think most people don't know how to respond to that, right? And they'll just and or they won't want to respond to that. Mostly, I mean, well, you know, just like, nah, I'm good, thank you, though. And the thing that we're dealing with on on our school board is everybody acts like a mandate's a law, and it's not. And you try to challenge them on that, and they're like, no, this is this is the law. And it's like, no, it's a mandate. 
Well, can't can't the governor cut off some funding from Kansas Department of Education to you not as a result, like as like grant funding and stuff as a result of you not following mask mandates? The pol- I mean, no. from the political side there. Mm-mm. Okay, because if it was a law, she could. But since it's a mandate, it's like what you're saying, highly recommended. Yeah. So she can't. Well, I thought that was. I just assumed. I was not told that by anyone. But I no, just like no. If it, it if it was an actual law, then yeah. I mean, we could. Well, the legislature kind of slipped or stripped the, some of those powers too. Of yeah. Like nah, we see where this is going. <laughs> like no. Do you guys happening. see the story of uh, oh here a few weeks ago? American Airlines out of maybe American. I think it was American out of Miami. There was one person on that plane who they took their mask off. They were 90 minutes. They were going to London. And they took their mask off, wouldn't put it back on on the plane. And the pilot turned the plane around back to Miami. Took everybody back, kicked them <laughs> off the plane. Man. Yeah. Just for one person not wearing a mask. Yeah. I it just, it doesn't it's make crazy. any sense. I feel like there's, it's, there's a lot of power trips that are, that people are having, I think, when it comes to yeah, enforcing masks. For sure. And I mean, we put power into people's hands who aren't, don't normally have power like that, you know, and they're figuring out that you say no thank you and that pretty much shuts them down for the most part. I'm not, I'm not really super conspiracy theorist, but I, I kind of try to open my eyes a little bit and see, okay, so the, the government has tried all these different mechanisms of control and nothing's worked. So like, okay, let's give this a try. We've never tried this and given this power to this person before. You know, it was like, it used to be, you know, you, you, of course you always had statutes that governed like the, um, director of the health department for your County and stuff, but nobody ever, that would never got used. It was just kind of there. And so like all those people suddenly had a bunch of power to be able to do things and tell people what they could and couldn't do with their life. And it was like, I was just like, okay, that's an interesting control mechanism that I think is being experimented with a little bit. But, you know, like I was telling Nate and a couple of other podcasts when the FDA says it's going to take till 2067 for them to release any of the stuff on that. I'm just like, oh, yeah. okay, you told me everything I need to <laughs> <Yeah>. know. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Well, and even uh, my daughter works, maybe I shouldn't say where, but um, anyway, when they're giving out their vaccines, I had seen a few podcasts where... They'd pull out the inserts, and they were blank. Like, it didn't say what was in the vaccine at all. And I asked her, I said, have you ever seen that? And she said, actually, just the other day, we pulled out an insert um, in some of the vaccines, and it was totally blank. Like it, like the one that says, like... Yeah, the, like the, what it is. The little paper that's in The warnings there? and everything. Uh, totally blank. Hmm. So... I mean, what's that about? Well, I mean, it's just water, <laughs> I guess. They're selling water. Yeah. That is weird. Yeah. What do you think? Well, I think it's they don't want to tell people what's actually in it, is what I think. And, in fact, another customer customer of mine, um, her husband got severely sick, had a severe reaction from it, um, and his head swelled up. I mean, to the it vaccine. was bad, yeah. And he was like in intensive care in at the KU Med Center for three weeks. And she was asking the doctors there, and they told her off the record that they know what the inactive ingredients are, but they do not know what the active ingredients are. Man, that sounds a lot like 
uh, Purdue Pharma and the opioid exactly. crisis. Yeah, when you're telling me about dope like sick. Yeah. Well, and even you know when the the oxycotton stopped working, like for the twelve hours or whatever they called it breakthrough pain. Yeah, and they're now calling it breakthrough, breakthrough symptoms. Yeah, yep, breakthrough I, cases. Yeah, and I I mean when you said that about the vaccine before I before I'd watch dope sick and then I started watching dope sick and I mean it's like. It's it's literally the same blueprint. Yeah, it's following that same it's blueprint. Like doctors didn't even research this. It was a marketing campaign that they thought was by another medical association or whatever. Well, that's why I told my doctor when he was trying to push it on me, and I said just respectfully, I was like, one, you didn't do this research. Two, you know, this is just like what Purdue Pharma was doing with the opioids. And then they're just giving you a bunch of charts and all these kinds of things. And you're taking it as yeah. gospel and trying to push it off on me. And this being pushed by the same pharmaceutical companies and the government that has lied to us from the word go, which is interesting because I work for the man. But I also try to apply what I think the man should or shouldn't, in my case, be doing. Right. Yeah. And so I, I just did that same thing of like, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. And Well, I don't think you should have like Dr. Fauci is – has investments in a lot of these vaccine companies. So how can he be in the position he's in? Or when COVID happened, you had all of those, you had, I think it was six or eight different senators or representatives, whatever, that dumped stock and bought an astronomical amount of Zoom, yeah. Zoom stock. When oh, Zoom, yeah, when yeah. They, were, they knew Zoom was going to mm-hmm. be like the, you know, and then of course, you know, the SEC investigated and found nothing wrong, of course. Right. But, that's the biggest group of inside traders ever, you know. <laughs> well, that's just the thing of I, – I understand, like, I don't have a PhD. I don't have a master's. I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I'm also not a complete retard. <laughs> like, I, I can take and read between some lines and, and apply just a little bit of common sense. I'm not telling you that I understand how mRNA works and this vaccine works and when you put it in your body, blah, blah, blah. But just taking a, a, a step back – and just looking at it through the lens of a little bit of common sense. I mean, I've known a lot of people that have had COVID and I've known very few that died. I know a few, but very few. And I just don't like the idea of living my life in fear. That's not, that's not living. That's just existing in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And so that's not something I'm going to do. That's not something that where my brain's going to go. I'm not going to allow just, it isn't happening period. End of story. Well, and I wonder too, the people that have died, how were they treated? Because I don't know if you knew this. I had to go to the emergency room. Um, I had COVID. Um, I had COVID pneumonia. So I went in. They gave me an infusion of Regeneron, which I guess after the fact, they say anybody with pneumonia, they shouldn't give this to. Mm. If you don't have pneumonia and you just have COVID, it's good. <clears throat> okay. Was that here in Hutch? Yeah. So they found out because the COVID is actually in your lungs when they give you the infusion, all the fluid goes into Uh, your lungs that you already have pneumonia from. Right. So did that and I went, um, hypoxic that night. Like I couldn't feel my, my hands and then later my arms and it was starting up into my chest to where I couldn't feel it. Went to the emergency room. Um, Right off the bat, they were talking about, they had asked me if I was vaccinated. I said, no. Uh, and they said, do you want to be vaccinated? And I said, no. So had a fever. They made me strip down for, I laid there for probably two hours or so, just shivering. 
And they came back in, asked me if I wanted to be vaccinated one more time, and I said no. And they basically did nothing for me and then discharged me, and I went home. <laughs> well, and, I, and keep in mind, this is just a story that I heard from a lady, so I'm not sure how accurate it is. But she was talking about how there was a gentleman that she knew that was the whole, like the really bad case where it's like, I'm on a ventilator, we don't know if you're going to live kind of thing. And so he's in the ICU and they're pumping him full of all kinds of stuff, just trying to figure out basically a way to treat this and actually ended up damaging his kidneys as a result of just all the stuff that they'd been putting in. So he ended up living from that, but now he has permanent kidney damage basically because of just, and, and I, I can't necessarily, I say fault the doctors, I guess, because they're trying to figure out how do I keep this person alive? You know, I didn't think they went in there going, you know, let's screw this guy over. You know, they never went in there with that. Mm Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's, it's, you know, that's a little bit like, like my dad with his cancer and they gave him the, it was actually monoclonal antibodies when he had cancer as part of his treatment, but they gave him too much and it actually like fried his immune system. So that's why he gets the treatments now, but he actually had COVID a few weeks ago and had that treatment again. And like the next day he was fine, like didn't feel bad at all. And, but I think now they're talking like the monoclonals are not good. I think. They were saying something here. Um, I think it's for the Omicron. They said it's not effective for Omicron. Yeah. Well, that's the the other scary part of this equation, too, is, is again, applying what I learned in mm, high school, probably not grade school, but high school, about viruses is it's going to mutate. It's going to change. So, you know, how long are we going to let the government tell us what we're going to do? Because that virus is never going away. It's not going to, it's going to continue. It's going to mutate. It's going to do its thing. Like how long are we going to play this game? How long are you going to allow, I guess, allow the government to play the game? But every time it mutates, it gets weaker. Suppose, I mean, right. That's what I've, I've heard that too. (laughs) I believe you. I don't know. (laughs) No, I mean, I think that's, that's how it works. Yeah. But I'm just curious how long, again, how long are people going to allow, of just, yeah. yes, sir, stick another needle in me. Yes, sir, stick another needle in well, me. Well, it makes me wonder if, if they would have, because after that happened, a friend of mine showed up with hydroxychloroquine and I took it and was dramatically better after that. And it's just like, it makes me wonder. And I couldn't see my doctor for 10 days. So I had pneumonia for 10 days and wasn't treated. So how many people that have pneumonia will survive 10 days with no nothing. Yeah. Um, and it makes me wonder if they would get off the ivermectin and the hydroxychloroquine, you know, bashing it all the time. If they actually used it, would this even be a thing? Yeah, but you can't make as much money off of those as you can off well, of the vaccine. That's, that's a why. conspiracy. <laughs> no, that's the fucking truth. <laughs> I mean, when, when you, you don't have like this major patent and, yeah, and everything out on yeah. that and can charge a bunch to insurance companies and so on and so forth. Yeah. I mean, exactly. That's just they, some, they weren't going to make any of money off of hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin. That's why it doesn't work. It's terrible. Yeah. Well, you know, they were actually criminalizing it in Austria or Australia, one of the Jeez. two, where if a doctor prescribed it, they could go to prison. And that was, the, that crazy. was the answer to that. So oh, yeah. speaking of Purdue Pharma, <laughs> they have a little bit of kind of in in uh I guess a, a place in your life story as well, right? With your ex, right? Oh, yeah. You said nothing was off no, off limits. No, I asked you if we no, could talk I about just, this. I couldn't figure out where you were going with this. <laughs> um 
I'll turn the light bulb on for you. Yeah. Um, you know, she went through a period of her life where opioids, um, I would say she was addicted to opioids. How did it start? Was it like an injury from the gym or something or? (sighs) Honestly, I'm not sure how it started. Um, she had worked with a lawyer, an accident lawyer, um, that was rumored to be maybe into a little bit of the cocaines. And, um, I think it started with that and then progressed into opioids. Um, yeah, that, that, uh, ripped, ripped our marriage and our family apart. So you, that. you have seen dope sick then? Yeah. Did it bring anything back for you? Yeah. The things that you'd seen? Like, yeah. so what were some of the things that you were dealing with, I guess, that were similar to that? Um, there were, t- like, just the way, like, we went out to supper one night, um, and she was going to go ahead and go home, and I was going to take the kids to the mall and get shoes. And just the whole time at supper, she it was like she was on a different planet. It was just like she was just sitting there just you know, looking at the ceiling and stuff like that. So whatever, we went to get shoes and all of a sudden she calls me and says, Hey, um, I went off the road in the car and she goes, I can't get it started again. I said, okay. I said, is, is it drivable? Did you, and you know, are you okay? And she's like, yeah. Um, she goes, no, I, I think I can get it started. I think I can get it back up on the road. And I said, okay, well, I said, did you hit anything or anything like that? And she goes, well, I'm not sure. And I said, well, maybe we should call the Reno County Sheriff and have him come out there. Cause you know, I don't want you to leave. And then they get you for leaving the scene yeah, of an accident. Right. So she called, she goes, okay, I'll call him. So I said, well, I'll get the kids and we'll be right there. So we get there and it's, the car is, I mean, I don't even know how she ended up out in this pasture, but it was like the car went airborne up over a barbed wire fence. It's like as you're getting ready to come from Nickerson and around the curves, how there's some hills in there. Yeah. And I think at the top of the hill, she just went off. Um the tires were like flat on the ground this way. <laughs> like uh like the All DeLorean? Four. Like the yeah. DeLorean and Back to the Future? <laughs> yeah. Looked like something Freaking out of awesome. the Flintstones. I mean that Yeah, they were I think just I could like start it that. and get it back on the road. <laughs> the engine was I don't know how she survived, honestly. I mean, there was just a little compartment where the driver was at. The engine is in the trunk. And it's just like how in the hell did you think you could drive this? No kidding. I mean, I don't even know how you're alive. You know, and I thank God the kids weren't with her because anybody else in that car would have died except for the driver. So, yeah, that was a big wake-up call. So what, uh, I mean, so what did it it do as far as, um, I mean, did you notice any of the, like, things disappearing or, I mean, anything like that as far as, like, just odd, odd things that kind of made you go, huh, after the fact? Well, that was Hindsight right at the beginning of, of this. And that's when we had separated. Um, and then I filed for a divorce. Um, but 
there was times where she would show up to Skylar's baseball game in a neck brace, and then like 10 minutes later, the neck brace was off, and she's throwing Sunny up in the air catching her. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if the opioids uh, were working, then she didn't need the neck brace anymore, right? No, I guess so. <laughs> so um, one time we were at a skate party. Um, she had walked in in a walking boot, and then um, 10 minutes later, walking boot's on, and she's skating, or off, and she's skating. <laughs> you either. I have never seen it's kind of like this the masks. in my life, that you come off of the, the skating rink, take off your roller skates, and put a walking boot on. It's kind of like a mask. You just use it when you need it. I, and <laughs> right? There were several people there just like looking like, what the hell? <laughs> So, do your kiddos have any anything lasting from that, or um, was that? I think Skylar does because he was old enough to to figure out what was going on. Sydney, she, Sydney does a little bit, um, but Sonny has really no idea. Ignorance is bliss. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Yeah. And so, how did you meet this lovely young lady? We actually went to college together. Okay. And um, we had a nutrition class together, and I thought she was really hot, so I kind of planned Just to let you know, this guy really likes you based on the look on his face when he's <laughs> telling this story. So I kind of planned I've never seen this it, side of him. <laughs> that um, I had gotten a seat where she usually sits, and there was one seat open, so I sat right by that, so she had to sit by me. You know, I thought I was really smooth, and she comes in and sits down, and I'm like, hey, how are you? And she just kind of looks at me and turns her desk away from me. <laughs> <laughs> and there were a couple of guys that were really good friends, and I kept telling them I wanted to ask her out and all this and that, and they are just dying laughing. <laughs> and I was like, Damn. <laughs> You don't remember it? Yeah, and then we actually did go out on a date, but I made a huge impact on her because she doesn't remember it. <laughs> yeah, she's trying to wipe that from yeah. her memory. <laughs> she doesn't want to remember yeah. it. Yeah. It's where the way her brain's working. <laughs> so then, what, 30 years later? Almost. Yeah. We ran into each other in Town East. And... Hmm. Just started talking from there. I'll be. You gonna tell them where you were? Well, yeah, my favorite pickup spot. Hot I, topic? No, I wait outside of Victoria's Secrets. Oh, and that's it's a good idea. I mean, yeah. at least you know they have something new they can wear. Like yeah. you know when they that's a that's a no, that's a really I, good idea. Actually, I was I was outside of Victoria's Secrets because my daughters were in Victoria's Secrets, <laughs> and then she. Will you tell him that? <laughs> Here, if you want, you can pull that closer. Hold on. I actually headed over and I was like, what's Ted Carter? I haven't seen him in nearly 30 years. What am I going to say? You know, <laughs> just message him on Facebook. So I turned to leave and I did my thing in the mall and I was getting ready to leave there at the end and I was headed up the escalator and I look up and he's coming down the escalator. He said, kind of like Donald Trump, right? <laughs> he's coming down the escalator and he sees me and his eyes get really big and he's like, 
oh my god you know and so we stood there and talked but you know i tried to skip out of there a couple times and when i'm <laughs> see she was trying to forget you <laughs> I don't know what that's about yep and the rest is history the rest is history yep so what? Uh, so I guess since you now have a mic, what what do you do again? What do you do for a I'm living? I'm a mental health therapist. Yeah. So mm-hmm. is that kind of something that you guys connect on as far as we that do. kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. I'm basically her project. <laughs> I can see that. I thought we were dating this whole time, but a little experiment. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I honed my skills. <laughs> When she's when you're when you're at supper and she's just writing. No, 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 keep going. Keep going. No, 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 keep going. Don't stop. Yeah, I I thought she was a journalist for a while. <laughs> <laughs> thought I had a lot of cool things to say. <laughs> I've never seen the uh, a smile on your face like when you were talking about her in in college and stuff like that. That's pretty cool to see. Yeah, she's my Melania. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh my goodness everybody's speechless <laughs> i don't even know what to say what do you say <laughs> oh you know one thing we never did talk about that we could that we need to talk about was your power lifting we never did talk about that oh yeah back in the glory days yeah, yeah. back in the which, good again, old days which again i wish i wish we could have video to see because you know i mean you're pretty sexy for a guy <laughs> your age so I hope to be like you when should I grow have, up. You should have seen me in my onesie, my onesie <laughs> powerlifting suit. That's the part she's trying to forget. <laughs> <laughs> but so is that? Um, so obviously you went to school for exercise science. So I yeah. guess sports and that kind of stuff has always been, you yeah. know, a part of your life from the sounds of it. Mm-hmm. If I could assume there, definitely. So was powerlifting something you did in school as well? Um, no, um, actually, I got into bodybuilding. Um, oh, okay. I, I did it for five years, um, got to the point to where I figured out if I really wanted to be successful and, and move on, because I'd, I'd finished third a couple of times, second once, um, but I could just, I could never get to that next level. Um, I just missed um, actually getting my MPC Pro card Um so I'd figured out the only way I'm going to be able to do that is to use steroids. And I I just went through my mind that I I did not want to do that. Um was this before or after? This was this was kind of during chances. You know, I had known him for so long and knew that he had taken steroids for so long and how he had spun out of control. And also GHB, if I remember correctly, yeah, as well. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I had had several other friends that were had messed with steroids too, and I just did not want to. I didn't want to go down that road, and I figured, you know, I'm going to give powerlifting a shot because the way I feel is is you can outperform steroids, but you can't outlook steroids. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I got into, I got in with a group of guys. I don't know if you know Tyson Myers, Eddie Coons, mm-hmm. um, with those guys. And we, we formed our own little powerlifting team and we traveled around and, and did that. And, um, I was very successful at that. 
Um, I set the American record in the curl, the bicep curl. I did power sports, which is bench, deadlift, and and curl. Um, so I set the American record in the curl. I curled 176 at a at a body weight of 161. Wow! So I curled over my Holy over cow. my body weight. I did that in Las at the Las Vegas meet. So that was that was pretty cool. Was there a lot of people like back then? Did you guys have big crowds and stuff that would come and watch? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Vegas one was huge. Yeah, yeah. And you, then we had huge a, with a with you, a Y. It was huge. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's that's what she said. No, no, no. <laughs> never to me. Never to me. Okay. Well, <laughs> and we this went is what to, I was trying to get Ethan to do. Uh, <laughs> we went to Oklahoma City um, a few times. Um, I did turn pro for two years. Um, and that was crazy. Uh, I think I finished 11th. Yeah. The first year I was pro at the pro meet. I missed every lift. Didn't score one. Didn't score one point. But it was just like I get a um, two reds and one one white. So it wasn't that I missed the lift. It wasn't technically correct. So I bombed that meet. Um, the second year that I was pro, I finished eleventh. Um, and there, there are no weight classes. So it's everybody against everybody. And I was the lightest competitor there. And I believe there was 50 competitors, so I finished 11th out of What was your body 50. weight, roughly? Um, I competed that year at 163. And how much How much were you lifting overall, roughly? Like if you, because uh, it's, a, it's a totality, right? All the, yeah, all the of coefficients yeah. and stuff like that help. But um, at that meet, I'd benched 361. Um curled 176 again and my deadlift wasn't all that great it was i was right at under 500 pounds but uh it wasn't that great well from what i was doing i mean not only that but that bench is impressive i suck at bench so bad the the most i'd ever benched was 425 and that was at a body weight of about 180 uh, well that's why i look at you and you know eddie right mm -hmm. as eddie yeah and i'm i'm that's kind of what I want to emulate in the sense of just being, you know, more advanced in years. I don't want to call you old, but, you know, of, of just being where you're at. And you guys are still so strong. And oh, the, I'm, not. The quali- <laughs> I'm not. I'm, even, at, I'm not even half of what. Well, okay, but, but look at you compared to anyone else that's sitting on the couch. Yeah. Right. I well. mean, you're lapping everyone that's on the couch, right? Is what I'm getting at. And also, you know, we could go back to the COVID and the COVID, you know, the comorbidities that we, everybody has, you know, mm-hmm. the people that are screaming the loudest for the vaccines are, you know, going to McDonald's, you know, 90 pounds overweight, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Right. You know, one of them sits in front of you. Anyway, um, so the, uh, but it's, it's one of those things where that's, that's kind of my goal for all of this is just the quality of life long term. Oh, yeah. Not, yeah. I, I don't really care what I place at the strongman means. Well, I mean, would it be cool to place? Yeah. I mean, that would be awesome. But, just to be like you guys and those guys are just so strong for, and they've just been lifting for forever. Oh man. And since I was like 16 years old, it's just crazy I'm to 52 watch Fifty-two now. So, <laughs> but you know, I really like watching what you guys do. Cause that wasn't, I mean, that was 
I mean, it's always been a thing. Like you'd, you'd see it on ESPN, the strongman. But as far as like competitions, like you guys are doing, that wasn't really around. Hey, you can compete, Shoot. dude. <laughs> that would be amazing. Do you have a walker? I they think? have a masters class, man. Do you, you have the, the weighted masters. walker? Is that an event? Dude, yeah. There was there was an eighty year old man that really? competed in the last one, and he's a pastor. Awesome. There was a really? sixty plus uh, masters class, sixty, right? I think. And he was 80. And, and those he dudes... picked up a 150-pound stone. I think it was 150. Wow. Well, and then he deadlifted, like, what, f- almost 500 or no, something like that? No, it was like, like 315. Still, though. I thought it was pretty high up there. No, it was like... Are three... you talking about the, the, the black guy or the white yeah, guy? the black guy. I thought it was higher than that. No, it was like, I think, three... Because the Eddie's class was like 375 was their max. Well, but, like, you see these dudes walk up and they're a little, you know, hunched over. Like, the... And then they're just killing it. And I'm like, that, that's what I want. <laughs> You know, because my grandpa's been the same way as well. Like, he goes to the YMCA every day and swims and stuff like that and just stays active. He's like 84 or 5 now, still lives at home alone, does his own thing. Like, that's what I want. You know, I understand if I get a disease of some kind like MS or whatever, like, that's going to probably hinder that. But I'm hoping that it doesn't do that. (laughs) I'm hoping it's just our answer to everything. When I was in Florida last week, a week and a half ago, um, me and Vinny, we got a membership at this gym down there in the Keys for the week we were there. And this old boy, he was probably 63, 64, like me and Vinny. Old boy. Old boy. I'm getting there. Well, he, he came up to me and Vinny like we had just taken a picture in the mirror. And he's like, man, I wish that we would have had cameras back in the day when I was your age <laughs> lifting. He's like, I was, I've been lifting since I was 15 years old, you know. And he's like, I... You guys just build your habits now and keep them going because, like, this builds longevity, you know. The dude was 60-some-odd years old. Well, he uh, had been in a motorcycle accident a few years before, and he said that he was following a, a vehicle, and there was a car oncoming, and that car swerved over and hit the vehicle in front of him, and that car flipped around and hit him off into the ditch. Oh, ended up oh. breaking his leg in, like, five different places, this and that. It was kind of rehabbing that and had shoulder issues, but he was still in the gym, you know, at 65 with all those injuries. And he's like, it's just a lifestyle now. And he said, just build that lifestyle. And yeah, he, I mean, he wouldn't be where he's at. Like he probably wouldn't have survived that and been able to rehab through that had he not been in the sure. gym beforehand, yeah. you know, that, that, that's like Felicia. Yeah. Man. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, if, if you look, had... if if you listen to like what doctors were telling her, basically go home, sit down, and just enjoy what you have left of life. Yeah, it's kind of the mentality. You're like go out for a walk, kind of thing. And she's just like, nah. And she's not even. She wasn't even forty yet. You know, yeah. she's still not forty. Right. And they were telling her that. And this guy was. He has to have a shoulder replacement, and he was um, worried about that. And I was like, man. This girl that we train with, she had double knee replacement. I'm like, you can do it. I promise. <laughs> Does she have something with her hip too? She no. had uh, two or three, two or three meets ago. She had some sciatic issues. Oh, okay. I thought she had had a hip replacement or something mm. too. But yeah, man, double knee. Jeez. Well, I have a question on that, Mister Wellness Science Expert. Um, so, yes. like, I find that I find it's interesting of. Like when I, when I hurt my shoulder, it was, I mean, it was painful, like, uh, ice pick jabbing into my shoulder painful when I would do certain things. And I just continued to work through that pain 
and push myself through that pain, not to a point where my body was saying, Hey, stop, you know, you're going to hurt yourself further. But is there, is there some credence to like people that do things like Felicia? Is that, is that a pretty, uh, I guess what I want to say here, is it a good, um, equation for rebounding from stuff like that? If, if you get up and you push yourself past that pain, I mean, can you typically return to a, uh, yeah. Quali- Whoa, I, what did I, did I just start something there? <laughs> well, <laughs> you guys are giving each other a look right now. <laughs> it's sexy time. No. <laughs> I'm we're just we're just helping make it that much better um, with the weight. No, it yes, I think that's a a big part of it, but that's kind of what we're I'm going through right now is I was supposed to have knee surgery. Right. Found out my um insurance will only cover 30% of it and I'm like I can't afford this. This, you know, is going to be six ten grand who knows so i'm just i'm just saying you know what fuck it i'm gonna ignore it and just go on and and actually working it harder well i wish i shouldn't say harder but you know just trying to strengthen strengthen around it yeah especially those stabilizing muscles and and getting on the exercise bike and and bending it and getting blood flow to it and honestly it's ten times better than than it was than when you a were a couple of days it, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I didn't want to do anything to it because I was so close to surgery. I was like, it's kind of pointless for me to do something to it and damage it worse, you know, because I don't know what they're gonna do. Because um, they were at first they were talking about full knee replacement, which I said someday I will have to have because I have arthritis and gout on top of that in it and i tore both meniscus um but they were just going to go in and clean it out that's um, what i last heard. smooth the the bones are they still going to do that or no no okay no so i'm just you gonna, change like the wind man i know i said it's a good thing he's going to marry a yoga teacher so he can learn to listen to his body there you go you should see how many outfits i have in my closet <laughs> <laughs> well that's like that's you that's start, even the same thing talking about changing like the wind <laughs> oh god <laughs> never know <laughs> oh sorry from noon to midnight you never know what you're gonna get <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's another thing about our coach coach felicia she'll tell us like listen to your body so mm-hmm. like when we're like when we're running through this routine, we have currently the way she's doing it is we have, and we haven't done it. We've done this three workout thing for like what, two months now, something like that where we have, so we work out Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and it's not always heavy. Like we, we kind of go back to the basic general foundations, but then we work up to heavy when it's close to competition time. But what I'm getting at is so Tuesday, no Monday, I did a really heavy deadlift session and I felt like trash Tuesday and Wednesday well, most coaches would be like, all right, here's your next heavy workout. Here's your next heavy workout. And there, and she has that. If you're feeling that way, here, just do an accessory day. Go and row. Go stretch. Go do whatever. It's not that expectation of like, I'm your coach. I said it. You do it. It's the listening to your body. And I find yeah. that when I do that, and I do that with food too. And again, I'm not like epitome of health, obviously. But um, I just feed my body what it asks for yeah. or what it wants. And if it, when I'm full, I'm done. When I'm hungry, I eat. And if it wants a salad, I give it a salad if that's what I'm feeling. And so um, I just think listening to your body is a super, yeah. 
super key important component and sure. like if my shoulders start hurting i'll start doing exercises to like just I, obviously i haven't been doing enough to get mobility into my shoulders like right now my left shoulder's hurting which is weird because it doesn't happen much but if just working through motions to get that i guess blood flow and or whatever mm-hmm. you know get the oil from the oil pan up into where it needs to be <laughs> but so. that's what i i listened to her episode she did with you guys and that's what i liked about because you guys have learned how she taught you how to listen to your body you know and you've learned that process i mean i could hear that through listening to the conversations so well she she learned that lesson the hard way she lets us make the mistakes and and then you learn (laughs) well there some of us make more mistakes than others but um (laughs) i I tend to listen to my body a little sooner than some of the young bucks in the room That's the one thing when you get older, you, you recognize the difference between pain and injury. You know what I mean? Well, it's like my son, he's 13 and I'm, he's like, I'm like, do you warm up? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> what do you, what do you mean a little bit? Like I'm, I'm, I'm over here stretching for like 30 minutes prior to getting started and he just goes right, goes right into it. And I'm like, okay, he's 13. Yeah. I mean, I'm still encouraging him to do things and explaining why and showing him things to do. And I'm making him do some of the mobility stuff because his, while he is strong, his flexibility is awful. It's oh, really? not good. It's not, I, I am way more flexible than my 13 year old son. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, like the other day when I was having a conversation with Felicia and Heather and I, I had my feet maybe less than shoulder width apart and then just squatted down. And my butt was probably like that far off the floor. And I just stayed there like that the whole time, just having a conversation with them, <laughs> chatting back and forth. It's a good, good hip stretch. Yeah. Felt good. So, um, but Plus yeah, it's super sexy. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we didn't put the, uh, we took the sex swing down before you got here. Oh, so shoot. I'm sorry. I hope that's okay. Is that when what, we get the video back, we'll. Is that what this padding? Yeah, for? so when you hit your head against the wall, <laughs> oh, okay, that's what the foam padding is for. You it's try not to echo. stick your feet when you're pushing off in between the squares. <laughs> we make we make a game out of it. Yeah, it's, it's like two like, points. Yeah, you, know, it's you get a point like for each. Oh gosh. <laughs> Uh, if only I, if only we could record some of the conversations that we've had. <laughs> They're actually covering holes in the walls. <laughs> Uh, well, um, I've already been here an hour and a half. Is there anything else you want to talk about or chat about? <sighs> Any ventures you've got going on or anything that anybody that's listening might be able to help you help you with? Or, Well, Daddy needs a job, so. I tried to give you one. <laughs> I know. I tried to give you an idea. Well, I know. I didn't even realize you that's... worked at a detention center. Yeah. And that's even better, man. You've got experience. Yeah. Crazy experience. You can come out and be a cop with me. That'd be awesome. I'm telling you, man, there's part-time spots open. Go for it. Can you shoot people? (laughs) (laughs) To to protect protect self, others, or or affect the rest. (laughs) So it depends. Do you shoot them and then read them their rights? Well, uh, you know, that's actually a common misconception. You don't actually have to read anybody their rights unless you're asking them incriminating questions. Shoot first, uh, ask questions later. That is, oh, goodness gracious. That is not what I said at all. <laughs> so if anybody's listening to this and goes to use this. You heard it from the man. <laughs> goes to use this against me in court later on, like a decade from now. But I did not say that. Did not uh, say that at all. No, yeah. I mean, I, I just think, and I will ask you the question because to me it seems like 
there's a lot of, of problems with addictions in Rice County, um, and there's not much help yeah. in Rice County. I'd say that's honestly a nationwide thing, yeah. um, not necessarily Rice County. You know, I will say, like, the thing I like seeing is the Lighthouse Project that Heather Oden oh, and them yeah. have. That's kind of cool. Uh, it's it's a it's a different way I guess of doing it versus the whole come here set in a circle hi I'm an addict and then you know like leaving it's just a it's mm-hmm. a different way you I've know, seen it be successful but it, it's it's up to the person ultimately at the end of the day obviously I mean, sure to make we're that worried decision. about the COVID pandemic but this I mean it's oh, a sure. major yeah crisis um, you know and that's uh, there's more people that die in Hutch every night from fentanyl than there is COVID uh, for sure <laughs> yeah yeah. Well, the thing I think is interesting is there are more people dying from heart disease every day, but we're not shutting down McDonald's. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's, that's kind of where my mindset is. That's on the edge of a conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know where the conspiracy theorists came from? Mm-mm. Anybody that, okay, the CIA created that word for anyone that wouldn't go along with the JFK assassination. Like people were actually there in Dallas that kept saying, I, I heard shots from over here. You know, I saw somebody over here, they'd label him as a conspiracy theorist. Huh. That's where that word came from. I did not know that. Yeah. That's See, crazy. learn something new every day. I know. <laughs> Me too. I meet new people every day that I've known for a long time. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> but I was going to ask you, how do you feel like the situation is with drugs and I'm just talking about Rice County, and I know it's it's bad everywhere. Um, compared to, where would you say the the height of meth was, like early 2000s or mid 2000s, maybe? And how does it what, what compare do you, to that now? I, okay, what do you define as the height of it? Well, like when it first became popular, and it there was just. It seemed like in Sterling, anyway, there were several kids on it at that time, um, and I don't think it's necessarily that way anymore. But that's because you've you've moved away from meth and into pharmaceuticals. Okay, they're they're supplementing with things like that are more socially acceptable and easily obtained and cheaper. Like, well, maybe not necessarily cheaper, but like Adderall or Desoxin, things like right. that. Um, Pills were <clears throat> bad, bad. When I was in high school, yeah, I say was, that that would be it, it's moved away from the illicit to the pharmaceutical. I didn't even see marijuana in high school. I didn't see marijuana until I was in college. Yeah, it was all me. pills when I was in school. That's all Same it was. Me, yeah. um, I, plus, you've had a uh, you've had a fundamental shift in methamphetamine in the sense of it used to be you know you you'd see the things from like the KBI and stuff of if you see this trash in the ditch or if you see this or this hoses on this blah blah blah. What well, used to be you'd have to have a room like this. And a guy that under at least rudimentarily understood chemistry and mm-hmm. could make the methamphetamine. Well, now <clears throat> all you need to make methamphetamine is a pot bottle, and you dump all this stuff into a pot bottle, and every once in a while you burp it, and that's called the one pot method, and you can make it super easy. But it's actually <clears throat> where the cartels have started basically mass producing it in Mexico and they can actually make it and ship it here cheaper than you can make it in one pot. Hmm. Um, so that's where the fundamental shift has been. And that's where the fundamental shift I think will be also with recreational marijuana as we're already seeing it. I mean, California's seen it for years where the cartels move in and they just do what the cartels do. I mean, it's a business. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's just another business way of making money. 
Um, so that's that's been the fundamental shift in, in methamphetamine is moving away from the illicit more into the pharmaceutical as far as kiddos are concerned. How do you see drugs right now um, in Rice County? Do you think it's trending upwards or is it less than it used to be? Well, I just saw the other day 1.7 pounds of methamphetamine, which is the most I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, I would say drugs as a whole, not just meth, but drugs as a whole are increasing. And I think that some of it has to do with with COVID as well as a little bit more of the so let me let me go COVID first. So COVID, you have all these people that are anxious. They're losing their jobs. They're um, uh, they're worried about worried what they're about, seeing on the news. You know, yeah, yeah. you know, you name it. All the mm-hmm. things that, that you know that I don't need to tell you. So I see people that you know they maybe get prescribed Xanax. Well, I think that that has a very valid use, and a, there is a therapeutic dose. But you have people that are like, okay, I'm feeling a little extra anxious today. Now I'm going to take two instead of one. And now I'm going to go get in a car. And I don't necessarily know how that affects me. And so now they're taking two. And so they aren't titrating their dose in the right way. So now they're building up a tolerance. Now I need more. And now I'm building up a tolerance. Now I need more. And then it just kind of spirals from there. So then what happens is the same thing with Oxy was you move from the pharmaceutical realm where I either can't get it because I don't have a prescription or it's cost prohibitive and into the illicit market. And so I think that we're going to see a lot more of a trickle down effect into the illicit substances from the pharmaceuticals that are being prescribed now. And not that I'm saying that uh, pharmaceuticals, all of them are bad and we shouldn't ever do them or anything like that. But I think that's what we're going to see with time. I think we're going to see it increase and spike significantly. But Um, it's, it's, Pharmaceuticals are definitely more of a gateway than, well, marijuana has been the, the gate, quote unquote, gateway drug mm-hmm. forever, you know, and it's pharmaceuticals are definitely your gateway into. It's it's like anything else in life. I mean, if you drink too much water, you can die from it. But yeah, water ultimately yeah. is good for you. I mean, you go to the gym too much and you want to get on steroids. And I mean, that yeah. can that can be yeah. a dark path. It is. Stero- terribly or, addictive. Yeah, the gym. From- from the guys I saw, you know, and that's the part about steroids I didn't realize until later on when I kept seeing my friends that would, you know, they get on a cycle, they may gain 20 pounds in a month. So they got off of it. They'd lose like 15 of those 20 pounds. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden they're, you know, when they're, going crazy with steroids they're buying new clothes that just barely fit them and you can tell when they're off because now it's just hanging on them yeah you know and to keep going through that roller coaster that's when they finally say screw it and they never get off and they just keep going and going and going well unless they don't have the money to to buy them well think about that also listening to your body thing too i uh, think when you come off of those things your body's probably jonesing for it would be my guess and just the, the wear depressed. and tear on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. the depression. Well, just face it, like if you were benching 400 pounds with ease, you get off of it, and let's say you can barely do 275, that's really going to mess with your mind. Yeah. You know? And you, you probably don't think you look as good because you're not oh, yeah. filling your clothes out like you used to. And, yeah. Well, it's um it's one of those things of I think that kind of annoys me is – so when you watch Dope Sick, and remember how they, in, in that series, they said, remember, this is a 
uh, a user problem, an addict problem. This oh, yeah. is not our problem. You know, right, they basically right. made it like these people are the problem. They're abusing our drug. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to admit, I was one of those cops that firmly like believed in that. I'm like, hey, man, just put it down, you know, whatever. And then, of course, thank goodness I'm not anymore. And I kind of realize the how it changes the brain and how that you know, that, that they are like physically addicted to this and it's not just a, well, I can put it down when right. I want or whatever. Yeah. But, um, <clears throat> I think the thing that's maddening, Saul, uh, um, it's, it's God's given me an interesting insight into life and then also dealing with, uh, mental health hurdles with my son right now and what he's dealing with. And then also what I'm having to deal with as a parent. And I think it's maddening that we can spend probably I mean, it, like I, I've discussed this a couple of times, but it's that bypass that's by Sterling. When they initially did that, it was like 2011 was when they initially kind of $2,011. It was like 9 million bucks to do that. And now, who knows what it is now? I have no idea what that cost figure is. But let's just use 9 million as, 9 million as an example. Do you think, do you know what we could do for the mental health system? In this, and the addiction systems in this country with one infusion of $9 million of that. I mean, I understand that it's not going to like fix everything, but the services that you could give with that and like Lions, they had a $600,000 grant given them to fix that road over by Calm Creek up to um, that tractor place that's now closed. And like, again, what could we do with that money? Yeah. And we're spending it on that. It's just, it's just maddening to me to see that. And then also, you know, dealing with people in crisis. And basically the key is if you have insurance, you're going to get the mental health help that you need. If you don't have insurance here, sign this paper, go home, call this 1-800 number. And then mm-hmm. if, if in the morning, if you feel like killing yourself again, and I'm just like, what? Yeah. And that, what? that's uh, <clears throat> from being on the school board, I've had, a few emails and calls lately about uh, kids being suicidal. Um, That's where my son's and, at. And it's, was. it's is. scary to how small Sterling is and that they're saying that it's their kid and they know of a few others that they're friends with that are the same way. How many like, kids are in Sterling total? 150? In the... In the school district? Yeah. I want to say right around 400. 400. Yeah. But I think that's also a little bit of a good thing as far as the shining light's concerned because maybe we're removing a little bit of the stigma of it. So kiddos are maybe a little more willing to talk about it a little bit. I mean, I think it's still stigmatized. Don't Mm -hmm. get me wrong. But I mean, I'm even taking my own advice. I've actually personally reached out to a therapist because I'm recognizing things going on in my life right now. And I've set up my first appointment to go and chat because I, I'm just, I just want to get away from that stigmatizing it. Like it's, it's just like I, I told my son, if you go to the gym and you're there for an hour, you're not going to notice a change in your body. It's the same thing with your mind. You're not going to go to one therapy appointment and talk to the therapist and then everything's fixed. It's this long, it's a, it's a process just like going to the gym. Cause that's one thing he right. likes doing is going to the gym. So I'm like, this is a way I can put it in a way that you'll get. Like if after a year, take a picture of your body and you can see the difference. And if you could take a picture of your mind, you could do the same thing. Yeah. And that's one thing that I love talking about on this podcast too, of just working through that kind of stuff of there's nothing wrong with that. Just no. go and chat about it or whatever it is that you need to do to fix whatever works for you. And I think that's going to be our biggest challenge as a school board to figure this out and try to get 
some type of help because I think these kids are struggling. I mean, they lost essentially two two years, yeah. you know, or year and a half of their yeah. lives, their childhood, really. And I mean, that's going to cause a big impact down the road. Well, it's just like it's hard for us to imagine it now, but you know, just like a few of the eighth graders, I think they're undefeated. I don't know for sure, but anyway they tested positive or they were close contact so they couldn't play. So then they were probably going to lose the game because their starters weren't playing. Okay. What's the big deal? But as an eighth grader, that's a huge deal. Yeah. You know? And I think that we need to recognize that all this nonsense is really hurting them and they're struggling in a lot of different ways. My daughter suffers from separation anxiety after COVID. Like she, when, when all that happened and it was like, stay home and do class over the computer and all that other kind of stuff. I mean, I wasn't a fan of it, but I was just like, okay, whatever. I kind of was like, I'll kind of see how this plays out. Uh, yeah. Kind of see how it goes kind of thing. Well, it was so new and yeah. never been done before. Yeah. So nobody really knew what, but she, she, what the heck? she doesn't even, she finally, uh, so we're what a little over two years into this now. Is that right? Yeah. Almost three. Yeah. Right coming up on three mm-hmm. um so we finally got her to stay the night at a uh, her uncle and aunt's house so for me when she initially because she would call us bawling screaming wanting to come home mm-hmm. <clears throat> which for me my first instinct was okay what's changed so i'm like asking her did somebody touch you in a place they shouldn't have you know that's kind of where my mindset was going of you don't feel safe there anymore what happened to you physically but that's the only thing we can trace it back to because it was after that is when she started having separation anxiety when you'd ask her she's like oh i just feel safe here at home with you guys and i don't feel that safety anywhere else so it's going to be interesting i mean you had a whole senior class at least at sterling that didn't have a a graduation yeah i mean uh, they're and they're never going to be able to have that again they're never going to have those kids that were at the state tournament you know you talked about sterling yeah nickerson i mean their girls were undefeated that year and you know they had a great basketball team and they lost the same thing you know like they were getting ready to play the top team in the state it was basically going to be the state championship game and they canceled the tournament on them you know i mean everybody had to go home and i don't know that just leaves a lasting impact on people yeah for sure well i mean even you talked about the um uh like how much sports was your identity and then Mm -hmm. once it wasn't there you know, you kind of had to work through that process, but you're working, you're working through that process in your twenties where they had it stripped from them in their formative, where the brain's still yeah. growing years. Yeah. So yeah. it's, I don't know, it's a bad day. Mine was, I mean, not COVID related, you know, I just ended up football was over in 2017 in one conference and then 2018, like I'm running a sprayer and driving a semi, you know, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm an adult now. Yeah, but what, well, I was just yeah. saying as far as like that, that, that is just as much, as much of their identity as it was no, your I mean, identity. And that took me three years to figure out, you know, shoot, I need to get back in the gym and do something with my life instead yeah. of just being a bump on this couch. <laughs> well, well, ma'am, you're the expert. What have you seen? What do you, I mean, do you disagree with Not what we're saying? Or, uh... I mean, yeah, here's where we need the video. Cause I'm sitting here nodding my head <laughs> and, and we talk about this a lot and, you know, we are seeing obviously the mental health effect of it now. I mean, I could work seven days a week all day long. And, you know, still not 
meet all the needs that are out there. But I think we are on the cusp of, I think we're going to see the mental health effects of COVID for years and years to come. And I think it's only going to get worse. And I'm working with a group of seniors who um, lost a classmate to suicide in uh you know, their comment was our freshman year was the only year not affected by COVID. You know, when you think about that, mm. you know, like that identity that you create, Ted and I were talking about it this week. And, you know, these kids are missing community. Right. You know, they don't have community. They don't know how to socialize. You no, know, everything's know. been done on Zoom. Yeah. yeah. They don't know how to socialize in person. And well, I think you're still getting socializing. But what she's talking about is like being, I guess, a part of a group because and let me. And the reason I say that is because when Corey got shot, I was in COVID quarantine, which, of course, when the crisis happened, they were like, hey, we don't care. You got COVID. We need you here. And, of course, I responded. <clears throat> but when they did the debrief afterwards, I was not allowed to be there. And I had to debrief over Zoom. And I was not allowed to be there with my people. And when that came to fruition, I'm actually getting goosebumps right now talking about this. Um when it came to fruition that I actually vocalized those words that I was like, I wasn't allowed to be there with my people. I wasn't allowed to be part of the community. And not necessarily that I had to communicate with anyone, but I was there with them. Like I was there with them in the crisis. Now I want to be there with them in the healing. And I wasn't allowed to do that. Zoom and I do not have a, uh, like a good, um, you know, a good, uh, relationship <laughs> because of that. And, and, and the first therapist I reached out to because I realized when I break down crying saying that, okay, I'm recognizing there are some problems that I need to work on. He's like, well, I can meet you via Zoom. And I'm like, that's the whole problem. Yeah. I don't want to do this. Yeah. Right. And so now finally I can meet with somebody well, <laughs> three you, years later, you, two years later. You're missing something, you know, and educators have done a wonderful job of, you know, trying to meet needs, you know, of establishing that community and that camaraderie when the shutdown was going up, but it's not the same. You know, I have clients that I'll meet with them um, face to face and then, you know, we'll have to, but I had COVID a couple of weeks ago, so we had to do zoom and we've already created a relationship, you know, so it works, but it's not the same. Yeah. It's not the same as being agree. in the same space. Yep. I agree. Yeah. Well, and I think you miss out because there's, there's a lot of, you know, body language from you oh, that absolutely. I see sitting here yeah. and that you can also see from me as right. if you were talking to me working through problems and things like that of maybe I'm not being fully truthful. Maybe there's a, a different question you can ask, so on and so forth. You know, right. I'm making assumptions here as to how no, you do you're, your job. No, you're but exactly right. Exactly <laughs> I'm just thinking about how I would interview a suspect and seeing, you know, some of their body language is kind of where my mind goes there. But right. it's a... Uh, it's that's why I'm just I'm totally not on board with this. I mean, if you were if you were showing me, okay, people's skins falling off when they catch this and we can't fix it, okay, okay, I'm on board. <laughs> like yeah. let's stay away from those people. The news showed us this, I mean, like piles of bodies yeah. that we're seeing overseas, you yeah. know, like they didn't have they're putting people in mass graves in China. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, the fear factor was there and a lot of people bought into that, and now it's... Yeah. Well, have you seen how they're responding to how Joe Rogan's podcast, when he's having all those people on there? Like, they're they're wanting... It. Yeah, they are not <laughs> liking that at all. Did you ever... Did you see the statistics on, like, his podcast per episode? Views? Versus, like, CNN and everything? Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> he gets, like, 11 million yeah. views, it was or listens per podcast. 
and CNN gets like 800,000 per episode. And you know how they're getting a lot of those viewers, CNN? They they have contracts with most of the airports, um, mm-hmm. bus yeah. terminals, train stations, stuff like that. To have that. that stuff on. So it's on every TV in there. Makes sense. So that's probably half their viewership. You know, but I, I have to see when it comes to that. So you, obviously we have, when you look at those statistics, you obviously have an overwhelming number of people. Oh, yeah. That are kind of going, mm. but you have an, also an overwhelming number of people that aren't willing to stand up and do much of anything right. about it. And I think that the exactly. silent majority is not going to win this. And I'm not saying take over the Capitol and do an insurrection and, and shoot your guns off in the air. That's not what I'm saying at all. But when you show up and you're at your kid's school and they're like, hey, your child needs to have a mask. No, thank you. Well, yeah. then you need to leave. No, thank you. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> I mean, because, just uh... you don't have to be a douche. Just no, thank you. Yeah. Just a little bit of that cognitive dissonance. That what what do people say to that? Like if you if you show up and you're like just flexing on them and all this other kind of stuff, like that's when people start flexing back. But when you're nice, just in it. No, thank you. I I no. Like if if this person's kid is you know they they shouldn't be here because they're sick or something, send them out. Like I'm perfectly good to go here. So. Well, I'm glad you you brought up the silent majority not doing anything because did you guys notice the commercial um, after the Chiefs game? It was that about, would be a better question for him. I don't watch that. I was too busy. I was about to have a heart attack after the Chiefs <laughs> well, I'm game. Sure. I was like right before that field goal to go, go into overtime. I looked at my watch and I, my heart rate was 142 beats per minute. Oh, so like just, I, just sitting I was there. All well, over the place. It, he's a big Chiefs fan. You know, I'm a diehard Steeler fan, but Bronco, I, I Broncos will, have had to choose. I would. So. I vote. I root for the Chiefs when they're you know. So. You know, there's the 13 seconds left, and I just looked at her, and I was like, they could still do it, you know. But <laughs> and the whole time I'm thinking, there's not a chance in hell. But I mean, you look you, at the sideline. <laughs> Tariq Hill gets loose. Who knows Yeah, what happens? You know, he gets a little pass and off to the races. So I thought, well, maybe, you know, they're talking like, Butker could hit maybe from 60. I thought, well, maybe they can get it close to that, and they're just going to give it a try. <laughs> and then that's what happens. I'm like, holy What crap. was it the coach said that when things are looking grim, you send in the Grim Reaper, yeah. which was yeah. what, grim, Mahomes? When things are grim, yeah. be the Grim Reaper. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that game was amazing. I mean, All time not, not really a fan of either. That was so entertaining to watch. I was just like, God, this is... I saw a stat on insane. it about like how Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are three and one when their like probability to win the game goes below five percent, and the rest oh, the, the rest of the NFL is one and thirty eight. Yeah, wow. <laughs> I think the three and one. I think the one is when we lost Tom Brady. Yeah, and that's the other mm-hmm. win, like when he beat us three or four years ago in Arrowhead. Because he had less than a minute left and drove down and scored. Yeah. So about that commercial? So, okay, (laughs) after that, after the game, I think, um, I don't know what show was on after that, but there was a commercial that came on, and it was from the Freedom From Religion. And it was this guy, it's Ronald Reagan's son, and his name is Ron Reagan, and he's an atheist. 
and he was talking about how religion religion it's alarming how religion is creeping into our government and stuff like that <laughs> and was established on. yeah well and and he wants people to donate to his freedom from religion foundation and at the end he says ron reagan lifelong atheist not afraid to burn in hell Wow, and I'm just and I. But you're acknowledging you you're acknowledging it by saying that tacitly yeah, that there like, is a heaven how, and a okay, hell. Yeah, how can you say, exactly? And if so, you believe in the devil, I mean, you have to believe in God. <laughs> you know, I don't think he can just say there's. I believe in God, but I don't believe there's such a thing as the devil. Well, when you're believing in the those kind of values, you can believe whatever you want. But if you believe in you know religion and conservative values, then you can't believe in those things. No. But uh, what I'm getting at is I really feel like there's an attack on Christianity. You know, there has been forever, but I think it's becoming more mainstream. It's becoming more out in the open. And I've placed that challenge on myself is I want to try to figure out how to get prayer back in our school. Um, I don't know if it's going to be possible, but I think it's a fight that's worth it. Interesting you bring that up. I went to Leadership Sterling. Dave Wilson hosted it with um, Josh Gilmore. Oh, okay. And we actually had this very conversation with a lawyer and uh, a couple of coaches and Mr. Riffle and some others. So you can pray in school. It just cannot be led by a government employee. Oh, okay. But a government employee cannot require it or whatever. They can allow it. And they can't stop it, and they can't, oh, they can't say like everyone we're going to pray. So that was like one of the coaches. He said, "You know, we like to pray before games. I lead the team in prayer." And the lawyer was like, "Eh, you can't do that." Now, if one of your students wants to start that and lead the team in prayer, perfectly acceptable. You can actually even have Bible studies at school if you want, as long as it's the student that or the students that are wanting to do it, and it's not a requirement or you know, any way forced by basically follow the money trail, just like you do with everything else. Mm-hmm. If the person's being paid with public money, they cannot do basically anything okay. with the religion, essentially. So you can still do it. So I think it's just like most things in our society. It leads back to parenting of and just encouraging our kids to leap out in faith and step out in faith and do those prayers and do those things and show those other kiddos by, and that's what I tell my kids every morning when they get out, Listen to your teacher and be the example. I tell them that every morning when they get out to go to school, <clears throat> that I give them a ride. And that's just, you know, lead by example. That's tell your advice. kiddos, tell your kiddos and have tell parents to tell your kiddos to, you can pray in school. You can bring your Bible to school. You can study your Bible in school. It Do they is. pray before the games? Do you know? Like. They, according to, the, used to. Co- according to the coach that we mm-hmm. talked to that one time, they did. I know we did in high school. In college, we did too. I didn't well, know. private college is obviously different than yeah. that too. But it's it's something that if you just let the kiddos know that they can do it, you can bring it back in. You can start yeah. like if the kids like, hey, can I can we start the class today with prayer? And the teacher's like, okay, you know, like then boom, you can start that day with prayer if you wanted to. So I'm glad you told me that. Yeah, yeah. So I really, agree. it just needs to be known, and the teachers need to be educated and say, hey, this can can happen. You just can't lead it. Yeah, you can't like require it or keep it from happening too. I mean, I, I would assume that if you know you're in the middle of a lesson and a kid jumps up and they're like, "I want to do prayer," you could probably be like, mm, "Now's not a good time." But you know, in general, it's just one of them things that it, it is something you can do. I was thinking right after 
the Pledge of Allegiance because they do it first hour. Yeah. You just have to, and that's going to be the part. Have is, a kid lead it. Yeah, that's going to be the part that's kind of tough, especially with, I think, some of the younger kiddos and especially maybe yeah. junior high is finding a student leader that is willing to maybe kind of step sure. out in faith like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm 35 and I still struggle with stepping oh, out in faith on things. Yeah. It takes, Getting up in front of your entire class and starting a leading a prayer. It might be, yeah. that might be kind of tough. Yeah. So. I don't think you would uh, struggle finding parents who would support it though. No. No. <laughs> Good. There's a, there's a, Ed True Love always talked about how many churches were on every Ed corner in Sterling. True Love. <laughs> I've got to tell you one more funny story. <laughs> oh, man. I can't wait to hear this one. Ed's son, Gus. Gus, yeah. Okay, you know A.B., right? I took, Stokes. I took custody of him many times. Well, okay, this would have been Skyler's fifth grade year, and Gus was like a sixth grader. And, uh, oh, Gus's mom, they show up, and I can't – he forgot his glasses, and he could not see a thing without his glasses. Gus so, did? Yeah. Okay. So he's got his football gear on, puts his helmet on, and his mom walks over to A.B., and we're, we had just gotten out of the truck, and we're getting ready to walk up to the field, and, and Skylar's standing there, and, and uh, A.B. goes, well, Gus, can you see? And he goes, well, not really, and, and – and his mom goes, do you think he can play today? And he goes, well, hold on. He said, put your hands up. And he said, I'm going to throw you this ball. And if you catch it, then you're good to go. And it's like for me to Nate. And A.B. just rears back and throws it. Freaking goes right through his hands, hits off his face mask, and about <laughs> knocks him down. And, and he, A.B. just looks at him and goes, oh, yeah, you good. <laughs> Skylar and I just about died laughing. We looked over at Gus's mom, and she was just like, okay. It reminds me of the movie Varsity Blues, where the dude gets the concussion. He's like, I'm holding up fingers, true or false. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, he's good to go. Get back in and play. Oh, yeah, you're good. (laughs) That's that's funny. They live down the street from you. Who's that? Ed, oh, the tree loves. Yeah. yeah, they used to live right around the corner. So you want to talk about an interesting story? So I'm I'm probably I don't know, like maybe a year or two on the job or so, maybe three, and we get this new guy on, and I'll just say his name because you can it's publicly accessible information. Conroy Miller, do you remember him, the ball guy, <clears throat> replaced uh, Jack Delhite. He wasn't around. Oh, maybe. He wasn't I, around I don't long. really remember him. Well, long think. story short, because you can get on KC Post's website, which is the Kansas Commission on Peace Officer Standards and Training. You can get on their website and see that he's decertified and why and all that good stuff. So that's why that's why I mentioned the name. But he, we had a drug deal gone bad over some personal use marijuana, by the way. Um and was it, uh, uh, why do you look Casey's? at me? <laughs> yeah, he, they got it from they got it from a field. They got it from a field west there. of Casey's. No, this was this was long before hemp. Um, and what what happened was is this guy had made a deal because he wanted to get his wife out of a domestic battery. So Conroy made the deal of like, okay, you help me get some dope off the street, then I'll oh, I'll okay. we'll, we'll work with you on getting this domestic battery charge on your wife to go away. So anyway, it was just a whole effed up deal. 
um, long story short, I mean, to the point that I'm new on the street and I'm like, this is not right. Not right at all. So typically what happens when you have officers come to a house, somebody will go around back. Somebody's on the front. So if somebody runs out the back, I was like, got the back door. See ya. So, uh, the next day I'm reading this guy's report and it is nothing like what happened. It was God awful. And so like I'm working day shift and I go up to the chief's door and I walk at like Saturday morning driver and his longest drive around that little half shaped moon and longest drive ever. And I'm like, Hey, we need to talk. I'm like, this is nowhere near what happened. This is bad, like really bad. And he even gave him the opportunity to redo his report before it got submitted. And he still lied. Mm-hmm. So he got fired and then they submitted him to KC post and they said, yeah, decertified catch you later. And of course everybody got away with everything at that point. You know, it was like, okay, all these cases are going away. Catch y'all later. Like we're just going to wipe our hands of everything. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a story there. It was an very early on lesson of a internal ethos battle because, you know, you're talking about, you know, everybody thinks that all of us law enforcement officers, we're all loyal to each other and everything. And I'm like, yeah, I'm loyal to you as long as you're not doing something stupid or right. illegal or yeah. immoral or unethical, yeah. at which point I'm done. Yeah. Catch you later. To the point, like, they're even taking out of mission statements. They're taking loyalty out of the mission statement because they're it's being used against them in court. I'm like, see, you're loyal mm-hmm. to each other. You won't turn each other in for anything. And I'm like, uh, no. Because I've actually charged three law enforcement officers in the time that I've been uh, cop. Wow. And then, so those decertification letters, if you go on there and you click the PDF, they're usually about three pages long. Well, one of the officers that I submitted a case on that they were like, oh, no, we're not going to take this case. 11 pages is wow. what his decertification letter looks like. That's how many problems and issues there were. Wow. And I was like, I tried to tell you this like freaking six years ago, but nobody would listen to me. So, man, that's got to be hard too. I mean, it's not. It was not a fun no. time. It was not a fun time at all. But the nice thing is, is that, you know, um, it's nice to be able to say something and people kind of take it. You don't have to necessarily prove, which I, I still do. I still have body camera and all that. But it's kind of nice to have a little bit of backing behind your word when you can go to a judge and say, hey, you know, on a search warrant. And it might be a little it might be a little thin. Then you're like, hey, listen, um, just trust me on this one. Judge is like, okay. Which hasn't happened, but like once in 11 years. And it ended up coming to fruition that exactly what I thought was there was there. Yeah. But there's a, there's a lot to it that I, is, is interesting. And, and having in those internal ethos battles, especially being young and having to stand up to somebody that was much older than me and had much more experience than me, that was a, not a fun process. And then also charging another cop was not fun too, because then his family, and his wife and everybody lashed back out at my family. And so, and that's the, that's probably the toughest part is making decisions in a small community of how they affect. Take a lot of It's a ripple effect and it just affects everything. I remember I had a paper out and I went by and it's funny because they're all in jail now, but I went by their houses and they'd be like, your dad arrested my dad. And they chased me down and want to beat me up. And thank goodness I could pedal quickly. <laughs> but I got picked on. I got picked on a lot because my dad had arrested their dad. So I always have to tell them, like, I'm so sorry. I'm just trying to do the right thing. Wow. You know, feel free to hit them back, by the way. <laughs> I was never told that. Right. I was told, don't fight. <laughs> and then I, I told my kids, no, no, please hit them back. <laughs> we be my daddy. <laughs> I thought I already was. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, that's what you were yeah. saying last night. Yeah, I just wanted oh, to publicly acknowledge that. 
<laughs> Love it how we went from serious to funny like a light switch. <laughs> well, I, uh, is there anything else you want to do, buddy? Anything else you want to ask? Anything else you want to add, in, ma'am? I believe so. Did well, hey, thanks have for any hey. stories he wanted me to tell? Just a couple from the t- detention center when you were in Wakini and then the uh, Reed Center. Oh. Yeah, he just said you had some interesting stories, some funny stories from there. So Yeah. We uh, appreciate your extemporaneous uh, um, participation there. You bet. Thanks for the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, just want to say thanks for coming on the podcast. I'll let you actually close this one out since I opened Thank it. Thank you very and much. Don't forget to, hey, don't forget to mention the Instagram and Facebook and website this time. Well, so closing thoughts, just want to thank you guys for coming on, you know, um, check us out on our, uh, our website or Instagram at the higher points, um, our Facebook at the higher points. Um, we had a good conversation tonight and, uh, we'll talk to you next time. So thanks guys. Bye.